Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Blush You, the podcast where you tell us your juiciest stories and we get to dish on them. I'm your co-host, Callie, and I'm with your girl, Elise. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, 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 hey. So we had a little break in recording thanks to Spectrum Internet. Thank you, Spectrum, for (laughs) interrupting my internet for two weeks. We appreciate you, girl. (laughs) Good times, good times. I know. So we've We've been, we've been missing this rhythm and we're happy to be back after a short delay, but you know, no, no big deal. No big deal. Elise, how you been? Um, I've been good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh shit. That was absolutely not convincing. Life is hard, Callie. Life is hard. Yeah. Elise 2020 is definitely kicking Elise in the booty. It really is. And it just never ends, you know, and which kind of brings me into my sparkle because I was talking to a friend and she was, I was just telling her like my dumpster fire of a life situation right now. Mm -hmm. And she was like, what do you do to like have fun? Like, what do you do to like make you feel like yourself again? And I was like, you know what? That's a great question. And so I was like, I'm going to go get my hair done. I'm going to go get some Botox. I'm going to go order like a new outfit. And (laughs) it backfired in my face. Okay. Oh, I can't believe you're sharing this. Okay. Okay. We're going there. We're going there. Okay. So (laughs) I was like, yep, I deserve this. Went and got my hair done. I got it highlighted. I got a little cut. I love it. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to go get some Botox, maybe a little facial, whatever. And the lady convinces me to do like a little Botox lip flip or something. I don't know what it is. Usually I would not accept until I've done my research. I go to, you know, like Mm -hmm. I'm very planned and scheduled and structured. And yeah, that sounds like a me move. Yeah. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to do it. Why not? I trust you. And essentially I had an allergic reaction (laughs) and Texting Callie, did you, that picture was not okay. It was, yeah. I'm glad that this is not <laughs> that this is not a video podcast and that this is audio, so that we don't have to like flip to the photo that I woke up to. I was like, oh, okay, good morning. This is Elise's inflamed lip. Could not even speak. So I had, I mean, thank God for Benadryl. Like Benadryl, do you want to sponsor me? Because it could. This episode's brought to you by Spectrum and Benadryl. <laughs> but really so all my sparkle is yes make sure that you have fun and you're taking care of yourself and you feel like yourself and you're feeling good but also don't be reckless and not do your fucking research and (laughs) end up with inflamed shit in your lips not good not okay I'm honestly glad you're bringing up Botox because I feel like it's such a taboo topic. I mean, maybe not in, in Texas and LA. I mean, now that I think about it, I guess Dallas and LA are probably the two places where people talk about it more, but I've noticed that like so many women in their twenties and thirties are getting, you know, I wouldn't call that work done, but they're just getting a little pick me up on their face. And I think it's good to talk about it. To be like, Hey, this is something that women do. It's not shameful. It's totally fine. It's the same as whatever else we do, getting our nails done or putting makeup on or getting your hair done, it's okay. And it's also okay if you don't want to do it, right? We don't need to feel pressure 
to jump on that. I, I haven't done anything yet, but I mean, yet being the operative word here, don't get me wrong. I'm thinking about it. I'm just, you know, just I, lazy, you know, I think it's, I th- well, this year, especially I was like, I don't need to do my nails or my hair or wear anything other than sweats because no, like I'm at home, mm-hmm. but like after a while that like catches up to me. Right. Like I, mm-hmm. I like how I like a good spray tan. I like having my hair done, you know? So I like need to do those things, even though I'm not like, I'm not doing them for other people. I need to do them for myself. So that was like the intention behind, but I think, you know, in thinking about like Botox and all of those things, like I think whether or not your mom had it done is plays a big part in it, right? Like my mom always was someone who like went and got a little like Botox or a little filler or whatever. Like, and I mean, we both had breast implants. We both got them out, but we both had them at one point. And so I think talking to other people who it's kind of taboo, I feel like there's a definitely a connection between like, Oh, like, did your mom, did your mom do that or no? You know? That's so true. Cause my mom started Botox. She's 59. I think she turned six. My mom also, my, my, I mean, her side of the family are vampires, right? No one dies they live forever. <laughs> they, they don't age. It's just a thing. Um, but she started last year. <laughs> she started at age 58. So, right. It wasn't around in my household. I only thought Beverly Hills people got fillers or, but I didn't even know what a filler was. I still actually I'm not gonna lie. I don't really know what a filler is. I still don't really get it, but I know what Botox is. So, so, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, clearly I'm super educated in this space, but I just, I don't appreciate people taking opinions on it. It's fine to take one for yourself. And if you don't want to do it, then that's fine. But I just, I don't understand why people don't judge other people for getting their hair highlighted, but they do for well, anti-aging stuff. I don't know. Yeah. There's like a lot of shame around, like I'm someone, whatever I've gotten, I'm free to talk about because I, right. it was a choice that I made. Right. Like I'll be the first to say like, yeah, I got breast implants and then I got them taken out. Right. Like, mm-hmm. so I feel like that whole, I mean, like I, that element of like shame or judgment or whatever, like I just, you know, own it, you know, it's so unproductive. Like, yeah. I feel like that just like makes you feel like you're like hiding a secret, right? Like, I don't know. I agree. I love, love, love that sparkle. (laughs) So good. Do your research, everyone, if you're putting needles in your face. And also a reflection on your sparkle, which is you don't have to put an investment in yourself to please others. It's like, I think that there's this big misconception that if you get your hair done, it's for someone else. If you get your nails done, it's to look good for someone else or to go to an event. Or if you buy a new outfit, it's to wear to a certain event for other people to see. And what Elise just said, I loved. It's like, actually after six months, or eight months, five years is more what it feels like of not having those excuses and, and not really, and feeling almost like one restricted in it because a lot of things weren't open, but two, maybe even a little judgment. Like, why do I still want to do this? Like I have nowhere to go, but it's like, guys, this was always for you in the first place, right? It, it should come from you. It shouldn't be driven by how other people view you anyway. So yep. celebrate it, right? Yes. Okay, good. What's, what's good your you. sparkle? I'm very interested. Yeah. So I got to see a friend of mine. Um, I, braved. Andrew had an event in Texas. And of course, you know, we both had COVID and it's not that we're not taking it seriously. We definitely are. So we masked up, 
you know, decided to be safe, traveled. I went to go see my friend and this friend's name is Caroline. So if anyone has read my book, she has a chapter about finding your Caroline. And so I wanted to talk about this because we've talked a lot on this podcast so far about how friendships, a lot of them are just meant for certain seasons. It's okay to end them. It's okay for friends to come into your life to serve a purpose. And then it's okay to leave. So like, honestly, even though this is an inherently, hopefully positive podcast, we've talked a lot about the demise of friendships. And so I wanted to share this because this is the exact opposite, but it does come with a, a little bit of a twist. So Caroline have, and I have been friends. We've passed the seven year mark, which I don't know if this is common knowledge, but once you pass the seven year mark with a friend, it has a much higher chance of lasting for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And I, I moved around a t- a a fair amount growing up, right? So I don't have those friends from elementary school. I don't have those friends from middle school. And frankly, my high school experience, meh. So (laughs) I've got, I've got one, maybe two, really one, John Michael, love you, boo, friend from high school. Um, And so, you know, Caroline's really, really special to me because she is my longest friendship, really. And it started in college, which I think is a lot shorter than most people my age. So I went to go see her and it was kind of shocking how different we've become. Not, not in the sense that we don't have anything in common anymore, but the things that we have in common are, they're becoming a lot bigger, right? She's, she's in, you know, she's in Texas. She's got a kid. She's very much settled and stable. And while she wouldn't tell you that because she's like, my life is a disaster. I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) Your, li- your life is a dream. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? You are so in control. You're so capable. You're so great. But like, you know what I mean? Like, I just like, from almost everything across the board, I've just realized how much I've changed. I have changed so much. And so my sparkle is that just because the surface and the details and some of the, you know, nuances have shifted a lot. It doesn't mean the friendship needs to be over because what's still there is like, I talk so much about this in this chapter is she is still my biggest hype woman. Like I'm sitting there and she's like, Oh my God, have you met my best friend, Callie? She wrote a book and she owns this company. And it's like, and she, then she starts bragging on my brother. Then she starts bragging on my parents. I'm like, what is happening right now? I haven't felt this special in years. I mean, just her, like, beaming over me and I'm looking at her and I'm like, you're crushing life. Look at this house. She just like renovated this house. Like she's got cows in her backyard. That is real. She, and I'm like, I haven't seen a mammal larger than a small dog. And I don't even know how long, like that's a cow, ma'am. That is a cow in your backyard. What the fuck is going on right now? But like, our, again, our lives are just so different, but like the meat and the bones is still there. And so if you have that in a friendship, but you're kind of thinking like, man, we're just like on different like levels, like not up or down, but just different, right? Like the Delta is just widening and widening, which I mean, that's what LA does to people. <laughs> I live in a bubble. Um, but anyway, it was just, I think it's a good sparkle to know like, Okay. It's fine. If you guys are not the same people that you were in college, it's fine. If you're not the same people that you were when you were six years old, right? If you met your best friend on the playground, if the heart of it still remains, there is no reason to even think about questioning the friendship. Whereas I think of a lot of, a lot of the noise out there right now is that you all need to be on the same page and your best friend has to share every single value of yours. And I know I preach that sometimes too, but I'm here to say like, eh, not all the time, right? Like, 
what matters about our friendship is still very much alive. So yeah. love you, Caroline. Oh, I love that. That was a really good one. I have, I mean, I have a friend like that too. And we're just like very different, mm-hmm. but it's crazy to think at one point in time, we were like identical people. Yes, exactly. Caroline and I, I think people thought we were the mirror image of each yeah. other. I really do because you know, we, we kind of were, and we haven't lived in the same, gosh, it's crazy to think we have not lived in the same city since college. Wow. Yeah. So, and you know, that's been a decade. That just, oh, I just, show, yeah. that just goes to show like how influential, like our environments and like the people that yeah. are in our lives become, you know, yeah. like just so crazy to think like how much change can actually occur in like a, mm-hmm. like a couple of years. Well, or a decade. <laughs> It's fine. Let's fine. Let's get to it. I don't want to talk about my age anymore. (laughs) Okay. What do we have today, Elise? What do we have? Today we have a submission from Desperate Daughter. So I'm just going to go get into it. Okay. Dear Blush, my mom and I have an odd relationship. Oh, my mom and I have had an odd relationship my entire life. My dad passed away suddenly during my formative years. And ever since then, it's like my mom has spiraled back in maturity. During that time, I needed someone to support me. I lost my dad, my favorite person in the world. And while I know my mom lost her husband, her favorite person in the world, I felt very alone. I could not mourn properly because I knew displaying any kinds of sadness would elicit a negative response from my mom. (laughs) That makes me sad. Mm -hmm. Since then, I've always felt like a burden. I never want to impose negative feelings on anyone, especially my mom. Since that time, my mom has gone in and out of relationships trying to find the one all over again. Every time she's single, we find our footing again, and I feel like our relationship could really be healthy. But without fail, she dives right back into another romantic relationship and makes that her priority. I now have a family of my own, and over the years, I've continued to feel let down by her. When my first baby was born, I felt abandoned because she was in a new relationship and wanted to make him the priority. She continues to say how much she loves me and supports me, but anytime I really need her, she disappears. The most recent recent disagreement was over my living situation. My family and I wanted to move out of state, but the sheer mention of it sent both families, me and my husband, into a tailspin. Not wanting to disappoint everyone and realizing we probably do need more family support because we have a big family, we decided to change course. Our house was already on the market, so instead of pulling it off, my mother said we could move into her house. She's rarely home because her new partner lives out of state. Fast forward to today. My mom now said that it's too stressful for her to house my entire family without an end date. She said I could stay for 30 days, but I don't know when we will find a new house we like to purchase. And while we don't want to be a burden, I can't promise a firm moving out date. She then said she didn't think it was a good idea and we could do something else. Yikes. Blush. I am 15 days out from our house closing. I don't know where to house my family. We will... We will have to find some place to rent in the meantime and pay a lot of extra money, all because my mom offered for us to move in with her and then like clockwork changed her mind. I've talked to her about this many, many times, but it always comes back to her telling me that my request was too demanding, that she would feel taken advantage of, and that I am too sensitive. Did I mention that my brothers have lived with her on multiple occasions throughout the years? 
for some time or for some reason, my mom has decided that I don't ever actually need help, but offers it to my brothers. No problem. Blush. I don't even know what I'm, uh, I can't read today. Blush. Don't even know <laughs> what I'm more angry about at this point. I just need direction. Thanks for listening. Desperate daughter. Wow. 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 Yeah. How sticky. Woo. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that, that, woo, that is like a lot to unpack. And I know the question of the moment is like, what does she do? And the answer is you rent a place, you spend the extra money and you stop relying on your mother for basically anything. Yeah. That's what you do right now. But I think the bigger question is like, how does she move forward? with her mother because it seems like she's felt let down. I mean, I guarantee you, I, I guess I can't guarantee you, but I would imagine that this is one of the many times that her mother has let her down. And this is just one of the most stark examples because it's also attached with, you know, a lot of stress, spending a lot of extra money they weren't anticipating on spending, you know, realizing that she gave up moving out of state and then she has to and then she changed course for her. That was the other thing. The, the last, last paragraph sent me because by the mom saying your request was too demanding or, or whatever she said. And it's like, uh, I don't think, didn't, weren't they going to move out of state? Like, didn't mom, didn't you offer this? I don't know. That was, can you really call that a request? I feel like that's literally the definition of gaslighting, right? Like, it's like, let, like when something goes off, then it's your fault. Right. But it was like, really? Like, Really, mom? Yeah, I mean, I'm getting this sense, and this might be like a very overgeneralized statement, but I mean, I hope everyone realizes too, or just remembers that like Elise and I talk to clients on the daily, so we hear stories like this all the time. And this just shouts victim mentality. And I get this that this mom has not had an easy life. The love of her life dropped dead when she she's, you know, this, the writer, desperate daughter says she has brothers, which implies multiple. So she had at least had three kids, right. When her husband died and it sounds like desperate daughter was formative years. So what, what is formative? I would say like, what? yeah, teens, like teens. So, I mean, this woman had it rough. Let's not take that away from her. That was horrifying and terrifying, mm -hmm. but it seems like she decided that she was the only one who could suffer and that daughter needed to step up for her. And it seems like ever since that happened, they've been stuck in that system, which poor desperate daughter, I'm sure she just wants for once to like drop all the balls and have someone else pick them up. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, I feel like I got the sense just in the first paragraph that they probably both didn't really have like a full opportunity to grieve. Right. Like mm -hmm. it sounds like mom kind of like jumped into relationship to relationship to try to like fill that void of that loss and it sounds like desperate daughter had to like really put her grief in a box and really show up to be able to you know maintain some sense of normalcy in their family system which is just sad you know like it's, it's just hard to not have that opportunity to really grieve in the way that you need to yeah, this letter is one of the more heartbreaking ones we've received because this, you can just tell that the letter writer, Desperate Daughter, is just so, she is such 
a little optimist. I mean, really. And she just keeps getting blows handed to her. I mean, she, at, you know, 13, 14, 15, however old she was when her dad died, she, you know, I couldn't, you know, display any sort of sadness. And, you know, the thing about it is she could, but she decided that it was too painful to watch her mother handle her upset too, right? That's, that's what that means. I mean, plenty of times if I feel sad and someone else doesn't like it, I'm like, leave the room, <laughs> right? Like tough shit. I'm not in a good mood. I'm not going to put on a song and dance for you, buddy. And, you know, when you're 13, 14, 15, I think some teenagers actually would respond in the same way. Like, I don't care. I'm sad. I'm a teenager. I can't regulate this. My brain's not developed, but it sounds like she said, oh, got it. When I feel bad, then mom feels bad. And it's even worse because I don't end up grieving the way that I need to in a healthy, safe environment. So I'm going to bottle this up. And hopefully when she feels okay, which she, it sounds like mom feels okay whenever she's found a new romantic relationship, then maybe, right, things will be better. And instead she goes, mm -hmm. woo. This like makes, this makes my heart heavy, honestly, yeah. because it sounds like, it sounds like Desperate Daughter really like comes to each new interaction with her mom with the hopes of it being better or with the hopes of them actually because she said what did she say she she actually could feel like their relationship could be healthy like I feel like if that's your underlying belief of like the potential of you and your mom's relationship then you're going to keep coming what's that saying like you keep coming to the oh I have insanity in my head if you do if you do the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. That's yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I forget what the like actual, um, I can never remember those phrases or whatever they are, but I feel like she just keeps hoping mm -hmm. and maybe praying and expecting it to be different. And I think mm -hmm. each time if you go into it being like, this is going to be the time that our relationship gets healthy, like mm -hmm. she's just going to continue to be devastated and defeated and let down every single time. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, she's probably searching for that fulfillment that she really needed when she was a teen. And when you have scars like that, especially at that young of an age, it's really difficult to rewire your brain and decide I'm not going to try and, you know, bid for love or attention or support from my mother. Like she is still trying to fill that hole from way back in the day where she would reach out to her mom for support and was shunned. And I think it's incredibly sweet and good natured of this writer to say, like you were saying, but one day it can happen. And I'm here to say it won't. And here's why I'm saying that. You don't cite any effort on your mother to acknowledge her faults or to own up to this wishwashing. I mean, like Elise said earlier, she gaslit you when you confronted her about this huge change of plans and she made it seem like it was all your idea. And like, it was crazy of you to be asking that when your original plans were to move out of state. And then she said, no, 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 no. I, I couldn't, I can't deal with that. You just live with me, which by the way, I don't agree with in the first place. Like plans should not have changed 
mother should not have intervened. I don't even know. I mean, I, I do know why you value this woman's opinion. This is your mother. And all you crave for is connection and closeness. So the second that she says, don't leave me, you're like, oh my gosh, she wants me around. She loves me. She's going to support me. Things are going to be different. So it's not that I'm shaming the choice. I totally understand the emotional response, but logically I, I'm just, I'm so sad. I'm so, I, I'm logically I'm sad. Okay. That doesn't make any sense, but you know what I'm saying? Like if you pull back, I'm just devastated that she fell into that trap because it's a trap. It's a trap. It was a, no things like that was mom saying things will get better by saying, don't leave me. Like things can be different. If you, if you move out of state, then there's no hope for us. I mean, yeah. how manipulative. I know. I know this, honestly, it's like seeing the words that she says, I'm too sensitive. I've heard that so many times when I talk to people in my past and I'm like, no, I'm not, you know, like that's just su like such a character attack. Like it sounds like, I mean, since we've done this like guesstimate of what Enneagram type each writer is, like, I really feel connected to this person. And especially like, you know, I, I've always felt like a burden. I never want to impose negative feelings on anyone, especially my mom. Like I'm too sensitive and she's obviously aware of like other people around her and yeah. you know, how she relates to those people. I would assume she's a two because I'm a two and I, you know, see pieces of myself in this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, especially it's interesting too, because in the last paragraph, she reveals that, oh, P.S., this treatment from a mother is not equal across the siblings. I've got brothers who she treats differently. And it sounds like she was more than okay to soothe her brothers and support her brothers, which by the way, I'm totally wondering if there's like some projection or transference between husband, right? Passing away, but the living sons are, you know, still here and she can, you know, soothe her own wounds by taking care of her sons. But her daughter, on the other hand, it's almost like she was like, okay, I'm, this is too much for me and I'm taking care of your brother. So I need you to take care of me. Like, it seems like desperate daughter became the mother the second <laughs> her dad died. Like, it's like everything shifted. Right. And, it, and she became the top one where she had to take care of, of everyone. But her mom was like, you take care of me. I'll take care of the boys, which it's just more salt in this very open and not healed wound. Yeah, that, that was good shit, Callie. I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, I think you hit the nail on the head. Just the whole total family dynamic obviously shifted when the dad passed. And it's just like still playing out now, even though she's an adult and has a family of her own. And so, I mean, honestly, I... I think she needs to create some distance between her and her mom. And she probably needs to know that that will not be, that's going to disrupt the dysfunctional family system that has been created since the passing of her father, you know, but I think that that, I think she needs to protect her space. I think she needs to protect her family, her family unit, you know, know that she does have control in her own family unit and, you know, just create some space between, which probably is hard with, the freaking holidays, like literally right around the corner, you know, but still, I think that, well, 
that's when COVID can actually, the one silver lining of this shit year is that you have a lovely excuse to not see any family members. But, you know, so I tend to be really rigid on these things. Like I, and I think it's because I'm introverted. And so the idea of someone being in my life that creates more havoc than my mind already creates for myself is just so foreign to me. Like I, I don't have the stomach for it. I don't have the tolerance for it. I, I mean, my mind is just so hyperactive, right? Which is probably why most people are introverted, right? Because there's enough going on internally that the idea of bringing external stimulation to ourselves is like, I'm, I'm good. (laughs) I'm covered. So I, I do recognize that I tend to be more rigid than most. So I think there's two things that I would think. I mean, the obvious instinct for me is distance, 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 ice this woman out for a little bit. It sounds like she's had zero consequences for her actions, right? Like if we are still playing this game where you come, desperate daughter, you come to her for something, she says yes, or better yet, mom comes to desperate daughter and says, here, I would like to help in this way. And da da da. And you know, she mentioned like she felt abandoned when she had a new baby. And it's like, I don't think many daughters ask their mothers to help them, right? That's just kind of a, a given. It's just written in our DNA that your mom, assuming there's a, a mediocre relationship there, is going to step up whenever the daughter has her own child. And like, mom couldn't even rise to that occasion. So, I mean, the fact that this woman is like still active in her life makes me believe that icing out is a lot more intense for this person than it would be say for me and maybe for others. Like I can't, I kind of can't believe this is the last straw, you know, listening to this series of events. It's like, mm-hmm. shit, like we are at minimum a decade past the first offense, at, like bare minimum. And we're still playing this game. So if you're not willing to create distance, which I do believe in what Elise said is that would completely disrupt the family system. We're, we're getting into counseling terms here, but it, it really would. It would turn it on its head. Mom's going to absolutely have a strong reaction. It's going to cause the brothers to tailspin. Everyone is going to be pushed in a, in a, in a different direction, which I, I believe is a good thing. But if that's not on the table, you've got to stop. You, you've just got to assume that every time your mom comes forward with a bid, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you, you, you can still be close with her. You can still talk to her. You can still share things with her, but when it comes to relying on her, please take it off the table. Mm-hmm. Letting go of that hope that it's ever going to be any different. It's not like you, it's, it's not because unfortunately you are her mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and you see that I, I, you know, I'm not going to go super into it, but I have, a familiar thing with that. Not me personally, but I've seen people in my life who very much act like the parent and take on that emotional role and have that sense of obligation and notice that she really writes with that sense of duty and obligation to not cut her mother out. She asks for direction. And I'm assuming that direction is one, how do I, what do I do? And it's like, okay, you rent a place, you eat the money, you deal with it and you Uh, once again, pick yourself up by your own bootstraps and figure it out. And two, the relationship with her mother, it's like, I'm not sure if she's really asking for direction with that because I'm sure at this point, this just feels normal for her. Even though she's angry, it's almost like you've been here before, girl. I know you have. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think distance, I think cut the cord, but it's so hard because that's, I mean, you know, I feel like there's so much more of like an obligation when it comes to family members, right? Like it's like that saying like blood is thicker than water or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, you got it. I mean, but you really don't, you can apply boundaries to your family members just as you do every other person in life to protect your space. And you I know, would argue you need more boundaries in your family than you yeah. do because, you know, with, with family members, like they're kind of, I mean, not all the time. I definitely have family members. That I haven't seen it quite a while. Um, but you know, in this situation, yeah. and that, that, that's the thing. I'm just not, I'm trying to think about the point of view of what if cutting the cord is not possible? What if she is not emotionally there for that? Because I would imagine when it comes to family members, especially losing her father at such a young age, the idea of losing another parent I would imagine is absolutely traumatic to even think about, you know what I'm, even though we both agree in a vacuum, that's what we would want her to do. Stop being a masochist. Stop hurting yourself intentionally by being intimate with your mother. Right. But I'm just not sure that's on the table for this letter writer because of the death of her father during that critical time period. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I totally am with you. I get that. Mm. So that, that makes it hard, which means girl, this is, this is going to be a lot of mental strenuous activity for you because this is going to mean that you're going to have to maintain that, you know, and I quote close relationship with your mother, which, you know, you guys are close. If she's, I mean, if at one point you actually thought you were going to move into her home, that signifies, it's not like I haven't talked to my mom in five years. Right. Mm -hmm. But like, you're going to have to maintain that emotional closeness to where you don't feel abandoned and, you know, alone again, but by also creating this like arm's length distance between the two of you so that you don't constantly feel let down. Yeah. What a fine line to walk. Mm, I want desperate daughter to come live with me, even though I don't have a house right now. I'm living with my parents, but you can come here. Elise is like, you can live with my parents. But see, actually, this is a great example. Like you just, Elise, you just said you're at home with your parents because I'm sure it was no question when you guys were in that limbo phase of like, come live with us. And they didn't, can you imagine having the rug pulled out from underneath you and your parents being like, actually, JK. Callie, I'd be getting my ass on a plane and coming to LA and be like, hey, I'm here. What's up? Okay, I don't hate that. Uh, yeah, Desperate Daughter, you can come party in LA in my spacious condo. And when I say spacious, there's an asterisk. <laughs> uh, but yeah, oh, I, know. I, I like our game plan. I think go get your own space, even yeah. if it is annoying and frustrating as hell that you have to do so. But you got to do that. And, you know, protect your space and just create some distance, even if that's just like temporary for you to just like get your grounding again, you know? Yeah. And I want to point out too, that the space that we're talking about, it's, it's not meant to incite an action in your mother, desperate daughter. This space is for you. This space is for you to protect your own emotions, to grieve how you would like to grieve, how you've always wanted to grieve. And it is not meant to punish your mother because I Based on this history and just how deep this goes, 
I don't think your mother is going to wake up and realize that she's been treating you unfairly and has put you on this pedestal of a pillar of strength. Because, because in, a, in a backhand way, this is a compliment. She's saying, you've always landed on your feet. You're fine. You were fine when your father died. You were fine here. You were fine here. You're going to figure this out too. Like people do that to people who they have faith will be fine. Yeah. Right. So in a way, this is a backhanded compliment. I hate that for you. I want, I would love for your mother to be like, yes, of course. I, I want to be that safety blanket for you. Right. Yeah. Safety net, whatever. But yeah, this is not meant for your mother to change her mind. This is meant for you to take some space, figure out what you want from your mother and what your mother is capable of because that's going to be a Venn diagram. <laughs> Those two things are not going to completely over overlap. She is not capable of everything that you want. Yeah. So you're going to have to find that small overlap that you can live with if you want to keep your mother close in your life. If you don't, all right, girl, welcome to the party. We're going to, you know, that's when boundaries are a hit. That's when space is your new best friend. And that's when you stop feeling disappointed because you're protecting your space and the people that you keep in your life would be like, yes, you can come and live with me for two months, three months, a year, however long you want, because I've got your back and you've got mine. Mm -hmm. Felix, you like fired me up, Callie. I'm like, yes. And that's my introverted brain. Like, girl, we don't have space for this. We don't have space for it. Oh, but it's her mommy. It's her mommy. I know. That's my mommy daughter. did that to me. I would die. <laughs> we're, we're giving you a hug. Via. I know we are. Mommies aren't supposed to do that. Oh, I know. I'm sorry. So again, not meant to shame you. If you don't want to cut her out, that doesn't mean you're weak. It means actually, arguably, it means you're really strong because that means you're going to be able to you know, you're tasked with finding the balance of not feeling disappointed, but not cutting her out. I, I, I don't think I have the strength or the emotional finesse for that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I just wouldn't want to take on that challenge. It's too strenuous. But if you do, I, all the more power to you, girl, you're just going to have to really be careful. Otherwise this is going to be an annual experience for you. Mm -hmm. okay. Man, girl, you got it. We love you. We just, we love you, desperate daughter. We want to hear from you again. Hopefully, you know, you find a place to live, you feel better, you, you get a handle on what you can expect from her and you onward and upwards. Yeah. I hope that our, um, writers like give us updates because I, I like, think about them often. Well, yeah. Cause we're nosy as fuck. <laughs> and we care. <laughs> also we care. Also we care. That's the best part about having clients too. It's like you get you know, people are like, are you emotionally invested in your clients? Aren't you supposed to create distance? I'm like, you know, shut up, shut up, shut up. No, I am very emotionally invested. Leave me alone. I mean, it's not like I, I, I've learned not to like stay up at night thinking about them. That's not healthy, but we always get to hear how it turns out. We always get to share the victories. That's what coaching, oh, coaching is so much fun because you get to freaking celebrate. It is. I love it so much. So keep writing into us because we love it. Yes, we love it. And if you want to be a client on Blush, remember you can use promo code BLUSHU for 25% off your first month. And if you're like, mm, I would rather have my personal details blasted out on a podcast, you are people. And so you should write into BLUSHU at joinblush.com. Remember, the longer, the better. I know a lot of podcasts are like, uh, make it short. We only have so many minutes in the day. And I'm like, no, I want every detail, every detail. I want all the backstory. I want all the context. Yes. 
We love it. Okay. We love you all. We love you. We love you. We'll be back soon. Bye.